enjoy the song service almost as much as I do the orchestra. I love the orchestra a lot. What a gorgeous day we had. I'll take a, let you see a good succession of these right on into, far will we go? Uh, well, turn to, turn to uh, Ezekiel chapter 36. It was a little bit, I, don't, I can't remember exactly how I got the impetus for this message, but I was doing some devotional reading and going through the Bible, and I ran across these verses, or some of these verses in chapter 36 of Ezekiel. I'd already, in time past, I'd, I'd done some uh, highlighting and stuff, and and so I thought I'd look at it a little bit and a little bit closer, and I realized that that uh, we've been getting some of the subjects that are being brought in this portion of Scripture. We've had some some interesting teaching on about sanctification, and also a little little bit about end times. And so I thought I'd try to incorporate into this into this message because it. It does point that direction. You know, uh, Ezekiel was a prophet to the nation, very, very uh, faithful man, blessed of God with uh, extra, you know, extra visions and so on of things going on in heaven, a lot of prophecy, some prophecy of end times. And <coughs> he was a, a man that, well, he called it, he was a hundred men, a man that was a hundred percent sold out to God, and that's one of the things I've seen common in all the, all the the pastors, evangelists that I have known, uh, you know, the pastors of this church and other pastors and evangelists that have come through here. They all have a heart that's sold out a hundred percent to the Lord, and you can tell. You can really tell. I've even seen some of these younger missionaries, younger in age and younger in time of of, of service and salvation. And they get in the pulpit, and God really uses them because they're sanctified, separated vessels for God's service. And that's a position we should all seek to be in. So we go ahead and read, uh, picking up Ezekiel 36, verse 23. Let's going to look at uh, three or four verses, and then we'll do a little bit of comment. says, and I will sanctify my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen, and gather you out of all countries, and will bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and shall be clean for all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. <clears throat> Again, let's go to the Lord briefly, and we'll continue. <clears throat> oh, Father, I pray to you as the great God of heaven and earth and all that is, that you visit me and you visit us uh, in this moment in time as we look to this portion of scripture to draw some personal truth, some things that are uh, be relevant 
and uh, important for our own spiritual growth and understanding. We know that every word of this book is set there for a reason. Lord, it may be that we don't understand every word and every nuance, but certainly we know enough that we can know your will for our life as, as uh, born-again Christians, as your servants. Please help us to be <coughs> more of the servants you would have us. In Christ's name I pray, amen. In the preceding uh, verses in this chapter, God uses Ezekiel to speak to the people about sanctification, and also he speaks to them of some of the prophecy that was going to take place uh, regarding their return to the, to the Holy Land, to Israel. And also there's an extension in there. I'm going to use that as an extension to, to show that the same things are going to be happening in the final, in the final days in the, when Jesus comes and we can, uh, when we look for his second coming. When Israel is going to be a great, 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 great part of that. When you consider of all the nations in the world, <coughs> and uh, the Israel is unique in the fact that they have lost a homeland and regained it, and that little tiny nation now is one of the most powerful in the world. Its military, its people are, they know that uh, they cannot lose any battles, and they will not lose their homeland again. <coughs> but there's going to come a time when, when that is even that is going to be tested, and but for the intervention, intervention of God, they would have been destroyed in the times of the, of the tribulation. And so... <coughs> It says there in verse 18, uh, it says, Wherefore I poured up my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherever were, were, wherewith they had polluted it. <clears throat> and we know that from the time of the cycles of the judges, we've had a lot of teaching on that. We should understand that cycle is repeated again and again and again, and it was mainly because the people would take their eyes off of God They'd go back to the ways of those people around us, idol worshipers, and then God would have to punish them. And then in the punishment, then he gave them opportunity to repent and return, but the cycle repeated over and over and over again. And you know, we're sometimes like that too in the matter of dealing with household sin, this house, our house, and it shouldn't be. Jews knew the law, whether they chose to obey it or not. The, the first commandment said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second commandment said, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto their children, unto the third and the fourth generation that hate me. That word uh, visiting is an interesting word. It literally means with hostile intent. And so when God was speaking to them here, he said that if, if you come to that point again, when you come to that point of going to idol worship and going against me, Things, bad things, you can expect bad things to happen. And you know that it was for their own good. God cannot bless disobedience. He does bless obedience to him and to his word. 
shows less obedience, but he's also always going to punish disobedience in his children. And that, especially in his, those of his born into his forever family. They had been punished for the great sin of being idol worship, worshipers, and they were cast into the captivity uh, through the workings of the, uh, the armies of uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. A brutal, cruel king, he came down and finally put the, in 586 B.C., he put the city to rout, the temple was razed, the, uh, the, what's called the diaspora took place, most, a lot of the, the, the best, uh, like Daniel and his people, the learned youth and so on, people of worth were taken back to, to Babylon and scattered around to be serviced to be of service to Nebuchadnezzar, <coughs> many perished uh, from the sword. And that was, uh, that was what was promised in Ezekiel 19. He said he was going to scatter them among the heathen, and they were dispersed among the countries according to their way, and according to their doings, I have judged them. And so God put them, this was the 70 years of captivity that they would endure at the hands of these uh, idol worshipers themselves. But you know, the Israel did learn something in that, in that they, <coughs> they did not go back to idol worship when they did, when God, uh, after 70 years, brought them back into their homeland. They came back under Nehemiah and, and Ezra, <coughs> they, <coughs> they rebuilt the walls, they rebuilt the temple, and then they resumed worship. It was those that, that became known as the Samaritans that, that uh, be <coughs> continued the, uh, the worship of, of, uh, of idols, and they would be, in the end, they would be brought to loss for that. And what we see <coughs> in this little portion of Scripture is the fulfillment of prophecy, of short and long-range prophecy. It wouldn't be very long after the time that this was penned that, that Israel would, uh, under Cyrus, they would begin to go back and they'd get into the homeland. But we know that, and they stayed there until A.D. 70, some hundreds of years, when under um, the Roman general Titus, who would later become Emperor Vespasian, the, uh, Jerusalem fell. I've read of uh, Josephus' account of that siege of Jerusalem. He said that upwards of 1.1 million people were in, that, in Jerusalem at the time of the siege, and Roman's soldiers killed most of them. Josephus said that, that the battles were so horrific and the plagues were so bad that as they fought from the lower to the upper parts of the city, the blood that ran down the streets would put out the fires below. Well, God allowed that for a reason to bring them back, because they did have rejected the Savior, hadn't they, by and large. And, and they now went into, uh, the, the nation was dispersed, they ceased to be a nation until the year I was born, 1948. And then God working through his miraculous ways through uh, some of our, our one of our presidents and some of the deals that were going on with the British and so on, that the Israel is able to get back into their homeland, and there they are now. And they will reside there clean and on into the time of the, the tribulation time. And so God is working to keep 
the promise that he would make, that he would give them a land, that he would bring them back, and now he has, and even though they have a lot of might right now, it's my thought that as it gets closer and closer into the time of the coming of the Antichrist, and when the Antichrist actually takes over, begins to take over, when that first three and a half year period, the, the Jews, he allows temple worship. But then that, uh, the Great Tribulation starts after that three and a half year period when then he, he uh, announces himself as the abomination of desolation when he profanes the altar. And from then on, uh, Israel is in trouble just like all the rest of the world's people that are in the Tribulation time. There's going to be fire and destruction coming upon the earth in numbers of uh, natural disasters, and in some of them supernatural of design. Um, <coughs> and it, as I said, but for the Lord's return, it, it's very, very likely that the, that, that the Antichrist, that Satan would have his way in, in wiping out the children of Israel. <coughs> in... Uh, let me read some verses. If you, if you want to get into uh, the book of Zechariah, go ahead and turn over to Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. Uh, Zechariah is the second to the last book in the Old Testament. Let's see. Let's see what I should look at first here. Let's look at um, Zechariah, Zechariah 14, verse 1. <clears throat> now, we're going to look at this a little bit closer, too, this term, the day of the Lord. Uh, the day of the Lord is more than just a day, but it's a, it's a time, it's an age, it's of uh, an expanse of time that's not clearly delineated, but it, it could be that we're all already ourselves in, in the day of the Lord. Uh, talking about his coming and judgment coming upon the earth. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee, and shall gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and will fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Now this is this is the earth-shaking event that's going to take place. And the whole world is changed in a moment in time. And his feet, Jesus' feet, shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. <coughs> earth shaking event is going to happen in real time when a real savior real god comes back into this world and begins to judge righteous judgment and he's going to first thing he's going to do he's going to, going to be protecting his people they've been under they're not at this time they're not the kind of nation that they are now as i said very very likely israel could be the maybe the second most powerful military in the world. They have a dedicated uh, personnel. They have the best equipment. They are motivated to the nth degree. But there's going to come a time when they're going to be brought down that they're not even able to 
defend themselves anymore when they, when they retreat to Jerusalem this time. They would have been wiped out before the Lord's intercession. <coughs> there was prophecy of that, and uh, we'll not go there, but I want to read you Zechariah 13, verses 8 and 9. This pertains now to the remnant. God, it, even in the worst of times, you remember that there was all, uh, it was always announced to like uh, uh, Elijah when he thought he was all alone. No, God said there's a believing remnant. There's still some there. Well, this is what's going to happen. In those final days, as as uh, during the tribulation time, it says, "It shall come to pass that all that in all the land saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third shall be left therein." Talking about the nation of Israel, and he says, "And I will bring the third part through the fire, and I will refine them as silver is refined, and and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name." And I will hear them, and I will say, it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord, that's Jehovah God, is my, is my God. <clears throat> and so what's going to happen, one-third of the people are going are to accept Christ and be saved, still the two out of three, the two-thirds are going to die rejecting the Lord. But you know, uh, <coughs> if, we saw, if we saw one-third of North Pole get saved, Literally overnight, we'd be jumping up and down. If one-third of the world's people got saved, we'd be jumping up and down. Well, there were people that will be, will be jumping up and down when one-third of that nation of the Jews will be saved, and they will enter in. That will be part of the remnant that will enter into the, um, the millennium, and there will be part of those that are going to, the physical beings that will enter into the millennium and begin cleaning up Israel and the rest of the world as we come down there and join in that. <coughs> one little, one little uh, rabbit trail. Uh, Brother Seth said that I shouldn't do this. I'm going to do it anyway. But we talked about the day of the Lord there. And in the book of Joel, he has a lot about uh, end times prophecy. If you want to get into it, it's a real short book, but there's a lot in there about the end times. In, uh, in the book of Joel there, Hosea, Joel, let me read uh, Joel 2.31. Let's see here. If you look through there, uh, there's a number of places that talks about the day of the, chapter 2, verse 1. It talks about the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand, meaning right now. Right now it's coming. In chapter 2, verse 31 Let's look at verse 30. It says, and Joel says, And I saw, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and the pillars of smoke, and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And if you have <coughs> Revelation chapter 6, this is in the time of the, of the tribulation time as the, as the cups and the bowls and the trumpet judgments are being um, brought upon the earth. Once this starts, <coughs> yeah, there's no turning back. 
uh, uh, Revelation 6, 12, this is, I, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as cloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth. And so there's going to be cataclysmic things going on. This is what Joel was talking about. going to be acted out, but not wrote about the empire. When you get in there in chapter 6, I think in chapter 8, there are two plagues. One plague is going gonna, is gonna to bring about uh, uh, a third of the earth's population is going to die, and there's another singular plague, not saying it's in one time, but over a length of time, that one third, one third and then one quarter will die. If you figure that out, half of the world's population is going to die in those two plagues during, <coughs> during that seven-year period. The day of the Lord is at hand. Why am I saying this? Some of you younger ones very, very likely will see the Lord return. I, don't, I can't see that the, the, the world lasts in 20 years, let alone 30. And most of you might have 40 or 50 or 60 years, maybe long, 70, 80 years of life yet. We need to be prepared because, again, it's all about the souls of men. It's all about the souls of men. Do you get that? It's all about the souls of men. That's what we're here, what we're here now to be prepared to minister to souls now and on as the days continue to have our eyes, as we see the things coming and as the world begins to sense impending doom, there'll be some, there'll be some that the Holy Spirit will be working on to approve of sin and righteousness and judgment to come. And then you, I, we need to be ready to be able to give an answer to them of the reason of the hope that is in us that meek are sincere. That's our job. So we need to be, you have to, uh, be able to see what's going on, understand what's going on, and then you need to be able to respond to those when they begin to, to ask questions about what's going on in the world. <coughs> and certainly, when you read Matthew chapter 24, 25, and you see about the things, the, the wars and rumors of wars and so on, earthquakes and famines, intense storms and so on. I believe that Pastor, Pastor Humphrey has taught about just under day, the other day about the birth pangs. It'll be a little bit, the ladies going to that birthing, once it starts, it gets a little bit more intense, a little bit more, and it backs off, and a little bit more, and then a little bit more, and finally then the baby comes, okay? In that same way, the, these, these things that are going to be going on in the world are going to be in, intensified until the point where believers will be taken out of here. We're not going to go through the rapture of believers if you're, if you're lost at the time of the rapture, you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble because the tribulation is getting ready to start. And the Bible talks about how that the Holy Spirit is no, no longer going to be doing his job in the same way. There will be people saved in the millennium. If you do not be, want to be found one of those that's wanting, some of you, 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 you You'll be blinking and you'll be shocked and amazed when you wake up and you find your mother and your father are gone and some of the younger kids and you're, you're laying there and you're getting up and you're looking around and everybody's gone. Well, there's people wandering around, but you go and you check out and the, a lot of the people in your church are gone. They have, it's on a Sunday and maybe only two or three, four or five people show up. Well, there's lost people that were part of a church. Believers are gone. So you need to be prepared for that. 
become a part of God's forever family before that, that happened. And so now this matter of sanctification, well, let's go back to uh, Ezekiel. There's, there's some very beautiful figurative language given here, but also there's a challenge there about Israel that they had a responsibility <coughs> about their service to God. There we go. Where is it? There it is. Now, sanctification, justification is the, what happens the moment in time that an individual believes on Christ as their Savior and we're then justified by our faith and we're removed from the penalty of sin. Romans 3.28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by his faith without the deeds of the law. Sanctification is also where we're separated from the power of, of sin. The Bible says that, that sin should no longer have dominion over us. That a believer should not be a person that professes Christ and if he goes back to the same old ways, it's just like a, it says in Second Peter that the dog returned to the vomit and the sow to his mire. There was no real change. Pastor Demo's been <coughs> hammering on the fruits of the Spirit. That's the visible evidence of the Holy Spirit's indwelling and His working through us to be visible, vocal, voluntary witnesses of God our Savior in the time that he gives us in this existence. We're saved to serve. And so in that, where is it here? There's a, a phrase in here. It says, uh, verse 24, says, I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries, and I'll bring you into your own nation. That phrase, gather you out, it's God wants to have his people. He wants them coming to him, worshiping him, serving him. It was always God's intent that Israel would be an example of a God-blessed people. A God-blessed nation full of God-blessed people. In this time, we know that, that God has set Israel aside because of their unbelief. But today, the, the New Testament church is to be that visible, vocal, voluntary witness. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and so on. That is what God wants us to be. And he wants us to be living sanctified, separated lives, uh, sanctified lives, to not be looking like the world, to be uh, being conformed to the image of his son, then we can be about the work that God has for us. <coughs> he says, then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Well, we can't get into all of this. There's a lots of nuances here, but the, there's a need for spiritual cleansing, isn't there? We're first, when we come under the blood, when we believe on Christ as our Savior, we're, we come under the blood. But you know that, I think this kind of relates to, you know, when we, when we believers sin, the Bible says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins 
righteousness, that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And so there's that matter, that spiritual cleansing. Okay, then about the sanctification was it's it's a a one-time forever event that God works in us. From that, though, we still sin because the sin nature doesn't go away. And so when we sin, it's up to us, it's our part then, to deal with that sin, to get it out of our life, so that we can be sanctified and separated, that we can be the, be all that we can be for the Lord. <clears throat> and so even there was a special uh, a thought about this, about this washing of water. Uh, we'll look at another verse here in a little bit, but it, it was so serious that when, when the priests went to minister, before they went and ministered for anybody, they had to offer up sacrifices for themselves. And what they would do, they would have to wash themselves in water, and this water, <coughs> the, it wasn't just some old pond water, it couldn't be some old pond water or just, just any old water. The, the best water was sea water because it had salt in it, and salt pictured something that was for, for a, a preservation and, uh, and, and a sanctifying uh, thing. Well, because God was serious about those that are serving him. And the, the, uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 10.22, speaking about believers now, it said, let us draw near with a true heart, full in assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Seeing, come on, under the blood. Come on, under the blood. And our bodies washed with pure water. That's the sanctification process. That we're responsible for, and God is, and we're not just alone in that either. Because if you if you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is willing that you <laughs> that He would help you to fight from that from the sin, to help you to put up the spiritual bu- uh, uh, guards around you, to hold up that shield of faith, to to come to understanding of the Word of God, that we can uh, be again sam- uh, sanctified, separated vessels. Like it says in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, and it says, God is very jealous for his church. He wants, he wants to see a sanctified, separated church that is full of sanctified, separated believers, individuals. He says, their husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water by the word. So there, there's a key again about the matter of our personal responsibility in dealing with sin. And being a sanctified, separated vessel is having our eyes on this book, <sighs> knowing the truth and then applying it and using it in our life. <laughs> that, that, that if... We, we cannot, you know, it's like it says, we dare not trust our own uh, thoughts or beliefs if, if they aren't in accord with God's word. And it's, it's, in, it's, uh, it's of every individual, it's our responsibility to know this truth. As the Bible says, the truth will set you free. Free from what? It will set from the penalty and power of sin if we're willing to follow it. So much, so much that there's exhortation in God's word Psalm 119, the whole thing. What is it, 175 verses? All about God's word. 
And how we need to hide it in our hearts so we not sin against him. And so on. God wants us to know. And there it is. It's all before us. And we just sit in silence. And we put our thoughts and hearts and minds to other things that are not productive. And, you know, I mean, uh, that's one of the things I like about being in the choir. That's one of the things I like about the, the orchestra. They play, we sing hymns. Well, the, the orchestra plays a lot of hymns that I know, and I really like that. I just love that. And that sticks up in here. And then the, 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 the hymns that were, uh, the songs that we're singing in the choir, I love that because when I'm going along through sometimes, and I, you know, I, and can it be, you know, and that stuff starts going through, through my head, you know. I like that. But, you know, I sit there and there's a video playing or something like that, and I'm off doing something, and next thing you know, I'm thinking about uh, some 60s, uh, uh, you know, song or something. You know. uh, we all, uh, the, the flying purple people, you know, you know from the, uh, I won't go there. But, 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 it, but, it, but it's serious. I mean, see, we have the Word of God before us, and it, and it takes time. It takes time and effort. And this is, I was going to have this as a closing statement, but the thing about sanctification, it is work. But it's a work that we can be about. It's what we're created to do, and we're brought into this, this church to do. The, 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 the food and fun and fellowship that we have is, is really wonderful, you know, um, the, the new tools and stuff. You know, I've learned to use the computer a little bit. Um, really helps out to be able to focus in and, and, and get good quality time in studying. That's the, so I, I just love doing word studies and so on. That's one thing I got, well, I was doing it before Pastor De One thing I like about Pastor Demelow's preaching, Pastor Humphrey's preaching, they use word studies. Get into doing word studies. You'll learn a lot. You get all the special nuances that God wants you to know about a certain topic. Okay. So, God wants us to be mindful that from the time of our salvation, that we're responsible to take control and to be actively involved with Him in our battle against sin and also for our service. And Pastor Humphrey, was, he's been sharing with us a couple times now. He's, he's, he said about how he's had kind of a breakthrough himself. He, he tries now to not look at, like, working for the Lord, but working with him. And then he said, you know, we've, we know that, you know, we're to be, eat, we're to be yoked with him, Okay. And the analogy is, you know, like the two oxen, it's the old oxen, they put the young oxen with the old oxen, the oxen, old oxen knows what to do, and the young oxen follows him and he learns the way. But he doesn't, he isn't, the, the, the thing is, the, the two oxen, they share the work. And when we're yoked with the Lord, we share in his, in his power and his strength. In, in, uh, in, I, did, I did a message on, uh, on, uh, on the Psalm 86, verse 16, where it, it says, uh, David prayed, uh, give thy strength unto thy servant. You can pray the same way. Give thy wisdom unto thy servant. Give thy patience unto thy servant. Give thy love unto thy servant, and so on. 
But the thing is, God will equip us, and God is never going to ask you to do anything that he knows you could not do. It's like I've used that analogy about, uh, uh, about faith with my dad and the, and the occurrence that we had when I was growing up. You, faith involves action. It's one thing to say you have faith, but it's another that your, that your lifestyle, your, your essence, your being would reflect the God that saved you and the God that you honor with your service. And then remember, I talked about how that the priests, you know, they had to wash himself. Well, we need to, figuratively speaking, if we're under the blood, then we need to be going through this, this process of sanctification, be washed, spiritually washed in water or however you want to look at it, because we're all priests too if you're born into God's family. It says there in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 6, and he saith also in another place, he says, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Remember that? You ever heard that before? Well, I remember I was working with a guy in the jail, and he was, uh, he was lost. He was lost. But when I, when I was teaching about this, he saw it. He said, wow, you know. And he said, you were a pro, you're going to be a priest. We're part of the priesthood, and we're going to be kings. And he was all, wow, you know. Like he, he, well, priests serve. That's what they do. That's what, that's what, that's what they're, God has given that office for. And so don't think that God, and just like God equipped those priests in the, in the Old Testament to be about the work, they were trained, they knew what to do, and then they did it. They ministered to the Lord in the temple, the tabernacle, for centuries because they knew the word. That's, that's what they learned, remember? They copied the word of God again and again and again and again and again so it was written into their heart. And they knew it, and they could apply it. And that's what we need to be also if we're going to be uh, winning the battle against sin and be uh, uh, effective in our service to the Lord. And let's see. I looked at uh, 2 Corinthians 7.1. Uh, it says there, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Got that? He says, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. And so <clears throat> the Bible says also in, in chapter 6, verse 17, he says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Doesn't get much plainer than that. Uh, evil communications corrupt good manners. I don't know where that, where that says that, but it does in the Bible. And so, <clears throat> there's no way that we can get out of this uh, walking in this world and through this, the sin-sick um, world that it is, polluted with, with so much wickedness. The thing is, is that we are responsible to not allow that to become a part of us. To, we need to stay on the middle of the road. I used to use, and I think I've used it at different times, about that the, the world is like a magnet. Okay, you understand? There's no magnets. Anybody, ever, anybody not ever play with magnets? We're a magnet too. 
if we're walking in the middle of the road, the influence of the world will not harm us. But here's what happens when, when a believer, when a person starts getting closer and closer and they start testing, walking more for the things of the flesh and, and turning to more things of the world, you know, there comes a point where you cannot resist. Have you played with those magnets? You get them, get them so close together, what happens? Am I right or wrong? It works the same way with the things of the world and the flesh. If you allow yourself to get too close, if you immerse yourself in it, you'll be, you, can be, you can go places you never thought you would ever go so fast that it'll make your head swim. And so the thing is, keep your eyes on the Lord, keep your eyes on the word, stay to the, stay to the center of the road, and God can bless you in that. Uh, we have that, yeah, we're responsible for our own sanctification when it comes through knowing God's word. John 17, verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And in, in verse 19, See, Jesus, all that, all that, that prayer was, was for the apostles, and Jesus prayed not for himself so much. He was praying for the apostles. He was praying for believers. He says, and I pray for their sakes. I sanctify myself that also they might be sanctified through the truth. And so you can't get too much of this, of this book and the truth of God's word. And God says that he'll give a new heart and a new spirit well, I'm not going to take time to go there because I'm running out of time. But the old heart, we know, is no good. It's deceitful and wicked. The old ways of the world, the pastor has taught about, come out of the heart, proceed evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murders, and so on. Well, so we as Christians, we need to be living for the, for the not for the world, but for our Lord, and then what I try to remember is that he touched on this once or twice already recently in preaching, that put on and the put off principle. That you put off concerning the former conversations, the old man, the old ways. That, that, that you have to responsibility consciously. You know what you were. You know where you were. You don't go back there. which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. I used to think that when I got older, I would, it, that the, the, the physical lust would, would diminish. It didn't. It's still in, in there. It's still 18. What are you going to do? Well, you have to battle against it. Well, I have to do. And that's what I do. If you Don't quit battling against those things, though. It says, and put you on the new man. After which, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, the end result will be that even as you was voiced in, in verse 27, says, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. That means that you're separated from the world, separated to him. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. And so that's it. You know, sanctification is... Is a, is a wonderful work of God, but it's also a work that we need to be about in our own life, to get serious about it. The world will suck you up like a vacuum cleaner. 
if you get too close and you put yourself to it, so just don't go there. You know, and if you don't know Christ as your Savior, this is, you know, all this is, is, is for nothing. Satan has set his traps out there, you know, and the good trapper, uh, the whole key is, is that the, uh, the animal, the victim, they don't see the trap until it's too late. And then he's dead. Get serious about it, young people. You might not have tomorrow. If you do, you better thank God for it. He gives you another day of life and breath. Because there's going to come a time when you're going to go, when this world is not is going to change and it's going to turn over in a in a in an awesome awful way. Be saved. Get in church. Serve your God. And then you can know your blessings from now and on into eternity. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for uh, holding me up in this time. Lord, you know I had a tough day. I really thank you, God, uh, for the prayers that, that uh, Seth and others were given. Lord, uh, I just love you so much. We want to be more like you. We want to be more like your son. Help us to take time to be holy. Take time to to contemplate the, the, the matters, the choices, and decisions that come each and every day. Um, not, not to just settle for the good things, but to settle only for the best, those things that you have uh, set up uh, before us. And that, Lord, just give us a will to know your will and then to be able to uh, act it out. In Christ's name I pray, amen.